What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Will, um, and it's the Cabinet Dr. Howdy's podcast. I'm here with the one and only Jeff, like usual. That's right. My my co-host, my, uh, you know, my heterosexual life mate. Um, (laughs) And we have a a very, very special guest from a very special movie that me and Jeff both love and adore as much as you can for this type of movie. And that is uh, (laughs) Mr. Carl York from Cannibal Holocaust. Hey, all right. Welcome. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. Pretty fucked up movie. It's got quite the reputation. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Plenty well, of maybe, things. Maybe we'll find out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe yeah. you. Maybe you can help us. <laughs> uh, probably. I've talked to a lot of Cannibal Holocaust fans, <laughs> and um, actually, I've never helped a single one. So. We'll yeah. see. Hey. Whatever. Well, your record's going to stay like that after tonight, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on and, uh, and you know, you're agreeing welcome. to do so, this. I know it's I know it's late, so. <laughs> so, Jeff, you're in South Carolina. And where are you, Will? I'm in New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so. you, grew, you grew up there? Yeah, I grew up in, uh, in, right in the town where I'm living right now. I was in the Navy for a little bit, so I, I consider myself a professional mover. Because that's, that's all I did for four years is move around different countries and stuff. But uh, yeah, I got back here and just bought a house. So I've been here ever since. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's seen enough probably, of the world. That, see, now you're starting to explain why you're a cannibal Holocaust fan. Yeah, I'm starting to get it. <laughs> you're putting the pieces together now. Yeah, I, I, I ruined many people's days in the Navy, uh, making them watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that you, you did four years. Four years, yeah four and done i was over in japan for all four mm-hmm. um but you know in japan you go all through southeast asia so i've seen almost every every country indonesia <coughs> philippines australia all them areas so wow super cool yeah loved it it was a fun time yeah couldn't wait to get back to philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> yeah at the time it was like that and then i you know after a year being here i'm like ah, i wish i was back out <laughs> <laughs> So when did you guys, uh, how did you happen upon um, Cannibal Holocaust? And what are all those movies behind you, Jeff? You have <laughs> even more, probably even more disturbing or equally disturbing movies. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I actually saw it when I was like 20. So it was about, I was fresh. I mean, early college for me. And I remember one night, uh, probably like 2004, 2005, I was uh, on an afternoon shift at a hospital that I worked at in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, was like, you know, I always have heard about Cannibal Holocaust. And I, you know, I, I knew a little bit about the notoriety of it, you know, how just notorious it was, but I didn't really know every, like why, you know? Yeah. Um, and I rented it from Netflix. That was when Netflix was like sending out the movies. Yeah, yeah. They sent out everything back then, you know, Cannibal mm-hmm. Holocaust included. Um, so I got it from them and popped it in. And uh, thankfully, my girlfriend at the time was uh, sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I think she might have looked at me a little bit different having her watch that movie. So I popped it in. I watched it by myself. And uh, I was like, my jaw was just on the floor. <laughs> I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, this is yeah. this is intense. <laughs> but um, yeah. And ever since then, I remember there was like a year or two where I was like, I don't know if I ever really want to watch that movie again. You know, I saw it. But then I kind of yeah. gravitated back. It was like, you know, you just couldn't really look away. And and yeah. then I think, um, I believe you were there too. In 2010, uh, there was a, 
uh, convention in uh, Cleveland, the Cinema Wasteland convention. They had the big Cannibal Holocaust reunion where Ruggiero was actually there. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I went to it, and uh, you know, I had I, I had a little bit more of an appreciation, and I like it now. You know, I I enjoy it. It's oh, I, I wouldn't say a, I enjoy we it. We did a we did a panel there, didn't we? You did, yeah. <laughs> you did that panel there. It was cool. Yeah. It was it was awesome. It was the only time I think that Ruggiero was ever over here doing that you know it was that company para i think or para or whatever they they uh they yeah. had a lot of connections over there and i don't think they're around anymore which is kind of a shame but but yeah you guys did the panel there it was it was awesome i mean it was great sounds awesome i missed out on that <laughs> <laughs> you were you were in japan but in you could have seen cannibal holocaust in japan Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, lo- they, they, lo- they loved it over there. <laughs> they love it. They love yeah. it. And yeah, so did you see it in Japan, Will? Or? No, my, you're probably going to frown upon my parents' uh, <laughs> censorship here. Um, I was a big Last House on the Left fan when I was a kid, as crazy mm. as that sounds. So I always had that bug that bit me for like extreme disturbing films. Um, and I remember always reading articles I, when uh, Borders Books was still around. They used to have lists on the side of their like where you bought stuff. And like top 20 disturbing films, ultra violent <laughs> films. So I'd click on it and I would always see Cannibal Holocaust. And this is right when Grindhouse releasing, uh, released the DVD, the limited edition DVD. And I asked my mom for it for Christmas <laughs> and she got it for me. <laughs> Look what Santa what? brought me. <laughs> exactly. What? Yeah. So, I mean, she didn't really know right. the subject matter too much, you know what I mean? But she never really censored me from anything anyway. But. I was I was like the hot shit within the within my little friendship group because they're like you got Cannibal Holocaust they all came over we watched it and we're like afterwards we all just kind of just like the end we just walk outside the house and just stare and start walking down the street like what the fuck did we just watch you know what I mean some kids have porn from their dads or their brothers right Will apparently had Cannibal Holocaust so yeah 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 (laughs) but ever ever since then it's it's honestly one of my favorite films uh, top. It grows like every year, like it's top 10, top five, top three. I just had my wife watch it uh, last week, her first time viewing it. That was a, that was an experience for her. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I I think it should be a first date movie. I I think it's kind of not right to do that, to get married and then show it to her, you know? Right. (laughs) That is true. You got to see the man behind the man. You know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, my wife says she wants to see it. Um, cause Joe Bob showed it on, you know, uh, last drive-in, uh, last year or something like, which I was really surprised because that's a movie that still divides everyone, even horror oh, yeah. fans. Some horror fans are like, I will not, I refuse to watch it. Right. Yeah. And then there are right. sickos like me and Will, they're like, yeah, we, it's a great movie. Right. Yeah. But, um, she was intrigued and she was like, I think I'm ready to watch it. And I was like, no, you're not ready. <laughs> I was like, you just think you are. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want to though. And now she's at the point where she's like, I don't think I really want to see it, you know. Well, if you have the grindhouse version, there's this don't they have the they have one the, that the but I feel like, one? I don't know, we can get into that later. I just feel like with the animal like animal cruelty, of course, no one wants to see it, but I kind of feel like it takes a little bit of the bite out of it. I feel like that's part of the shock with it is you gotta throw that in there too. But you know, I don't know. That's just me though. Um other people, you know, if they want to watch it like that by all means, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen so many Italian movies at this point that like it's been done so much. All the Mondo movies and stuff. I'm just so desensitized now. I'm like twisted, yeah. you know, in my corner of the room, you know, rocking, you know, in a fetal position. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 
I showed my, um, <laughs> we'll get into this later. I have more <laughs> of a statement I want to make at the end, kind of. But uh, I showed my 13-year-old nephew Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Wow. Uncle, uncle of the year right there yeah uncle of the year <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. the, the thing is kids see a lot worse now in the they internet do. nowadays anyway but um he said i want to watch like a really you know really fucked up horror movie and i was like yeah well this is this is the one then you know and i put it on for him and uh, yeah. the grand he actually had a really cool statement uh halfway through the film that i want to tell you about later on that i thought oh, was good. really cool he, he caught on to it really quick and he didn't work <laughs> in but yeah I, I love it man it's it's one of my favorites so so, uh, so Carl, we know you had quite the um, uh, start in acting. Uh, you're 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 a fourth generation. From the interview that I watched, uh, you stated you were a fourth generation York in uh, show business. Yeah. So my great grandfather, let's see, great grandfather was a. I guess you could call him a vaudeville comedian. He was a he was a comic actor, and mm -hmm. he. <clears throat> I've done, I've done a lot of research on him recently, and I actually found a quote from him in, in a, um, an article that when they asked him, why did, why did he uh, uh, start acting? He said, I had a fight with my father. So I thought, okay, that's a good place to start. And he, um, he was quite famous actually as a, uh, so the story, here's how the story goes. He was actually born Schlesinger, Augustus Schlesinger, and then, uh, that was too Jewish, and uh, in those days, you know, right. that was too Jewish. And then he uh, he changed his name to York, and then uh, he teamed up with another guy whose name was Nick. Um, I just found his real name. I forget what it is, but it's very Jewish. And he changed his name to Adams, Nick Adams. So then they became York and Adams, and the name of their act was Two Plain Jews. So, so I don't know if that's an ironic twist or not, but yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, one one article I found had him quoted as uh, they had them. They said they were Hebrew impersonators. That's what they called them, Hebrew impersonators. I'm like, nah, they weren't impersonators. Yeah, they weren't impersonators. <laughs> yeah. So so he. Um, like I said, he achieved quite a bit of fame. And um, how do you know that? I know that because when I searched uh, newspapers.com for his obituary, it showed up in almost every paper you he, oh, wow. you could find all over the country. And he also went to London uh, in 2000, not 2000, in 1914 with a show called Potash and Perlmutter, which had been a big hit on Broadway. And he did the London Company, and um, they did a you know command performance for the Queen. Oh wow, and jeez! So so he had international fame on top of the rest of it. So his son, my grandfather, he went into the business at, in New York. He worked for the William Fox Company, and eventually William Fox merged with 20th Century and became 20th Century Fox, and that's. Somewhere in the early 30s, he moved out to Hollywood and ran their publicity department. He, so he was head of publicity at Fox and um, uh, from the 30s into the probably early 50s. Um, 
and and then he went to Paramount, and then he went back to Fox, and then he died. And he died a little too soon for my kid, you know, for right. to help me. I, I was, you know, I'm pretty pissed about that actually. <laughs> but <clears throat> so my dad, my dad grew up with you know there in Hollywood, and um, and the last thing he wanted was for me to go into the show, <laughs> into the business. He didn't want me to go into the business. But I did. It's his fault, you know. He kept telling me stories, and he was in the Air Force. I'm a I'm a military brat, and um, okay. so uh, professional moving, yeah. Um, <laughs> ninth ninth grade was my ninth school, oh, and um, and while we lived in Paris in the late fifties, um, they shot a picture there called uh, "The Longest Day," which is about D Day. Yeah, and yeah. and my dad was the liaison from. The Air Force, if you needed the Air Force support in a picture, you dealt with him. That's, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So he took us out to the set of The Longest Day. And I watched him <clears throat> do one one scene, and um, they shot it six times. And at the end of that, I knew what I wanted to do. Right. I, you know, I wanted to do this. So, so you just you just had it in your, in your blood then. <laughs> I did have it in my blood. I did. There was just no way around it. You had you had that bug. So you so you were you grew up I from what I read in in Burbank, California. Was that is I, that right? I was just I was just born there. You were just born. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then um you make your way to New York or were you were you living there as a, as a So kid? I went to high school outside of San Francisco. Um, okay. In, across the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin County. Okay. And I did, you know, I was in every play in high school. And then I started, okay. while I was still in high school, I started going to improv workshops in San Francisco. You've never heard of the committee, um, but they were pretty big in San Francisco then. They broke off from Second City in the oh, okay. early 60s and started an improv company in San Francisco. So my first, my first paycheck came from a tour we did i was 17 i guess when we did a tour of the west coast with this improv company and it was um it was called improvisation Corp. but at that point i think it was called the committee workshop and we did totally improvised shows so we didn't set any material if you watch saturday night live the way you get on saturday night live now is you go to second city or the groundlings you work on characters you do shtick you do some kind of shtick and then you go on saturday night live and you read cue cards and they right. call it you know and they call it comedy i don't know we <laughs> you know we didn't have any of that we didn't all we took was suggestions from the audience and um i did about 300 of those shows while i was in college so were you mostly focused on comedy like is that what you like doing was mostly pretty much comedy? yeah okay. pretty much always fell in that direction that's until, kind of funny because of the movie you're known for you know cannibal and then you're you, want you know <laughs> so the reality about being an actor i think is you don't get to have that much choice of right. what you do there's two reasons for that one is because you do no matter what you want to do there's something that other people mm -hmm. see in you. So I did a TV show called um, The Paper Chase, The Paper Chase, early in the early 80s. Uh, and you guys are too young for that too. There was a big movie, it was a big deal. Then they did, a, uh, they turned it into a, a series. I did two years on that series as a, um, a law student. 
And I was, um, you know, I was a, a lot like Alan Yates. My character there was a lot like Alan Yates. He was an asshole and he, <laughs> you know, um, I always thought I was the nicest guy I knew, you know? But you play a really good asshole, so. But then people kept <laughs> casting me as this asshole and, you know. That's usually be, the case. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Or or I'm really a great actor, you know, right. maybe that's it. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's awesome, good. Um, so you 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 did you did your imp, the improv shows and everything. Um, then I did one flew over the cuckoo's nest in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Did, that's what character did you play? I played Ruckley. Ruckley is the guy who already has the lobotomy. Stands up against the wall with his arms up like Jesus, like this, and yells <laughs> "fuck them all, fuck them all." Had my head shaved. You know, I drooled. I peed my pants. It was my mom. My mom was very proud. Your mom. <laughs> He was just so proud. That's my son peeing himself in front peeing of everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you were on you. So after, and we'll get into Cannibal Holocaust, obviously, but you did, um, I, I was reading you did All My Children for two years as well. I was on and off of that show, and I did a bunch of other soaps, too. Because okay. when, you're, when you're an actor, I went to New York to get trained because that's I wanted to get real training as an actor. <clears throat> I want to say you don't need that in Hollywood. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you, there's a lot of things you need. Training helps, but it's not as necessary in Hollywood as it. My, my goal was to work on Broadway because my great grandfather had debuted on Broadway in 1885 and the 80s were coming up and I'm like this, you know, and my father was in a publicity guy also. And I'm like, this is a great publicity angle. You know, if I get in a show on Broadway and a hundred years before my, you know, so I never did. That's the one thing I never got to do. I never got to work Broadway. Oh, dang. But um, I went there to get trained and, 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 um, um, and I got there just at the right time. I got there in the fall of 1975. I was, I, I did three national tours of Cooper's Nest and the last one, um, I stayed in New York with Joe Pantoliano. Do you know you? Must, yeah, oh yeah. You've seen Joey. Uh, everybody's seen him. He's had a great career. Yeah. Um, he was my first roommate in New York. He was oh, on wow. the tour, and um, and I stayed and had many adventures that you have not heard of <laughs> in the biographies that you've read. You need, you need to publish these, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, that, some of those might might come out. Did you do commercial work now, too? I never got any. I, uh, not really. Because I really want to hunt down a commercial that you were in, uh, if you were. God. I feel like uh, I need to find one. <laughs> uh, you know what? I I. You should have done like something after Cannibal Holocaust, like bug repellent. For a commercial, you know what I mean? When, you when know, I'm in the Amazon, or tur turtle you know what? stew, that, that would have been great. <laughs> Snapper <laughs> soup, yeah. Seventy-nine, eighty-two. Here's a couple of things you don't know. One is, I was Mickey Rooney's dresser for two weeks. You know who <laughs> Mickey Rooney is? Yeah, oh yeah. We, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah was, we actually we actually talked with a director, uh, Brian Usna. Um, he did that movie Society, and he worked with Mickey Rooney. And uh, we he had, a, he had a lot of good things to say about him. How was how was it working with Rudy? <laughs> Mickey was out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mickey was such a wreck. I can't find the picture I'm looking for. If I if I if I do, I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's, 
just a little production shot from a commercial. I did one or two little commercials, but it was a commercial casting director that called me for Cannibal Holocaust. So, <laughs> what, so was it before or after the commercial? Uh, yeah. or, or after Cannibal Holocaust? Uh, this commercial? Yeah. Uh, that was before. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's just yeah. funny, like in my head, you know, it would be like commercial for soap or something. You're like, you know what? This guy would look good in. He looked good in a cannibal movie. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I had a pretty good look, but I don't think I had, um, I don't think I had enough of a, yeah, I actually hadn't thought about this too much, but now you have me thinking about it. I, I, I could compete, I could compete as a comedian. I could compete as a comedian, but I couldn't compete as a, like a really handsome leading man uh, guy. So, so based on my look, I would be like a dad, you know, and that was the commercial that I was looking for the picture of a dad, but I was too, you know, I was too goofy. I mean, I like doing goofy much better than anything else, you know? Right. And those square jawed guys that are like doing like, you know, fighting and shit. Right, right, know? right. Nobody was going to fall for that with me. <laughs> so, so you knew kind of what you were what, what, what you wanted to get into that's good um so uh your other your other movies you're in now it's it's interesting because you did a lot of you did some tv work in the 80s and then going into the 90s you were in the movie jack the bear um, yeah one of my Dor favorite movies is jack yeah, the bear. I, I love jack the bear are you kidding me <laughs> i love it i love jack the bear i always have since i was a kid i saw it at a hotel <laughs> At Hershey Park, we were like visiting Hershey Park. It was on like HBO. I, I ever since then, I've always loved it. <laughs> I, 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 I now I'm speechless. I'm so totally <laughs> speechless. I mean, of all the first of all, I'll just put it this way: with Cannibal Call Across, I was pretty sure nobody was ever going to see it. With Jack the Bear, I was absolutely <laughs> sure nobody was going to see it. And you were for for Jack the Bear. You were like the guy that uh like that that uh, kind of fired Danny DeVito, right? You were yeah, yeah, I was his yeah. boss. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> how was yeah. it? How was it working with uh, Danny DeVito on the on that set there? Well, you know, Danny is um, a nut. He's a nut. He's a mega. He's a little. Um, uh, I'm not in the business anymore, so I can say whatever I want, right? Oh, he's yeah. like a little Napoleon guy. Yeah. He's like <clears throat> really power hungry and really he's short. My mother's short. My mother's like. Well, she was, you know, like four eleven, uh -huh. you know. And and then when I met Danny, he was like shorter than mom. You know, he's like, I wanted to go. Oh, you're so cute. Trying to pick you're him so up. Cute, but he wasn't cute. He's um, he's really talented for one thing, and he's really ambitious. And he was great to work with. He was great to work with. It sounds like he was great to work with. And you also have that camaraderie, right? One floor of the Cuba's nest. He was Martini. And he, he was played, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys were patients together, basically. Good, yeah. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When we did Jack the Bear, he was. Oh, let's see. He had a three-picture deal with Fox. War of the Roses as a director. He directed War of the Roses, and he directed something else. And the third one was Hoffa. And I don't know if you ever saw Hoffa, but it was a big steaming pile of hot dog yeah. shit it was fucking <laughs> awful I, I walked out of that going boy i hated the music 
you know when you yeah. hate the music that means everything else was just oh awful. yeah so he was he was he was in a fight with the studio over Hoffa because they were trying to sell it to somebody else right so when we did Jack the Bear he was just uh he was always looking for a way to screw with the Fox executives oh okay you know so with me he was fabulous so actually okay so uh yeah I, I went to Hollywood in the early 80s I got on paper chase I did a couple other things then I I got married and um you know what that's like and um then I had a kid so I had been a freelance reader in New York I um I had a girlfriend who was a um literary agent and I was a waiter because you're supposed to be a waiter but she didn't like that because you're up all night and so she got me work reading books for Del Delacour and it just so happened that I had a really good story sense so so it came naturally and I um I was reading 10 books a week oh my god uh, for, for 15 dollars a book it was some kind of punishment because uh, I had to do a, like basically a book report on every book, you oh, know, yeah. and, and a market analysis, which I was just making up. I just pulled it right out, <laughs> pulled it right out of this thin air. And uh, but I so but because of that, then I started reading for um, the movies companies in New York. And then when I moved to Hollywood, I was able to they they knew my name because I moved worked for all the studios in New York. So then I was able to parlay that into uh, a job as a reader at CAA. I don't know if you're familiar with CAA. Do you know what this is? The most pow most yeah. powerful agency in the world. No. <laughs> yep. Most powerful talent agency in the world. In fact, half of your sports heroes are represented there. Oh wow! Okay. And no, that's I, that's what you do now, right? You read. You do. You're. Are you at? I was reading your uh, analyst or something uh, for. Well, that's what I was then. I was a story analyst. Story. Okay. Okay. So that's what and, it was then. Okay. And then, and then that moved into working for a producer who, okay. uh, and I ran her office, and you know we developed movies. And it was a development. They call them D girls. I guess I was a D girl. Where okay. uh, you I would know, think I D girls sounds like something else, but uh. yeah, I know. And, and, <laughs> And I wanted to try what kind of that company too. is this? Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, because I was doing that, I was I, like I had a steady paycheck, and I was, but I was working at you know, you know, right, right at the top echelons of Hollywood there, with uh, at CAA, who, you know, Mike Ovitz was running CAA, then he was named the most powerful man in Hollywood for six years running by oh wow Vanity, okay by Vanity Fair. So that's that's where who where I was and um, right how did nope. we get there later in the 90s right then I do Jack the Bear because I was right. on the Fox lot and the casting director was in you know this is so here's the thing people like they say things about actors like why did he do that you know he did a shitty movie you know it's like you know when you're an actor you never turn down anything right you, you just if they're going to give you money you take it right you know and so so this casting director said you know i i think you should audition for this movie i'm doing she was we we were in trailers and we shared a bathroom basically and 
And so I'm like, yeah, you know, I haven't had an acting job in nine years. And I didn't say that. And I said, no, I don't want to audition for your movie. And then her assistant came over and said, Mary says that you're going to audition on Tuesday at, at, <laughs> at, not, at three o'clock. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, I'll go. I'll go. So I put my, I, I, I got a, I had a nine-year-old headshot. I hadn't done anything in nine years. And I, um, I didn't put in a resume on it because it was it just, you know, <laughs> it was like, yeah. So I went into the audition and the guy looks at me, his name is uh, Marshall Herskovitz and he, he was the director. He looked at my picture, he goes, okay. And he turns it over, he goes, there's no resume here. So having done over 300 totally improvised shows and always being a smart aleck, I said, well, my resume is full of lies. And I just thought, I'll just lie right to your face. <laughs> and then he laughed and he said, okay, what have you done? And I went, well, let's see. I did, I just did a hundred performances of Hamlet on Broadway. He said, oh yeah, I saw that. What else have you done? <clears throat> I said, well, you know, here was the thought. The thought was, what does he hear most, most of the time? I said, I've been in a lot of movies, but none of them have been released yet. And he he actually finished the sentence with me. So oh. yeah, none of, none of them have been released yet. And, uh, and you're all wondering, like, what does this have to do with Cannibal Holocaust? And we just got to that point. Here it is. <clears throat> he said, what have you really done? And I said, I start in a movie called Cannibal Holocaust. And this is 1990. So at this point, you can't get a copy of Cannibal Holocaust unless you're in Amsterdam or Japan. So, so I said, I would start in a movie called Cannibal Holocaust. He goes, okay, okay, let's just do the audition. <laughs> <laughs> And believe me <laughs> that's pretty so, funny so he booked me um he was very surprised because he and his partner ed zwick ed zwick has had, had done more as a director than marshall they did a series called 30 something that has never mm -hmm. quite come back i remember uh, that one yeah yeah, yeah yeah seven years so so you know what they do in auditions is they ask you to read the lines and read the scene and then they go here now here's what i want you to do change it a little bit and do it this way and i did that and he was pretty surprised because what he didn't know was that i was trained i was a trained actor you know i trained with uda hagen in new york who was one of the most famous acting teachers in america at the time and um so when I did it his way, he was like, wow, how come I don't know your work? You know, it's like I, he's seen every actor in town for the last seven years. And he and he was just really thrilled to find me because I was Good, a fresh yeah. face. I was a fresh face. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it, it is kind of, you know, it is kind of surprising because when I was looking at the, your filmography, it kind of jumps around, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of wondering that, you know, why it was kind of jumping around, you know, if you were taking a different job or something, but, um, you also, you're, you're, you also were doing Apollo 13. I saw as well as ghost and machine. Um, your last movie was idle hands. It looks like on the filmography and, um, you were telling a story, I think on the, uh, 
<clears throat> the Grindhouse release interview that you did, um, you were talking about how when Cannibal Holocaust came to America for like the few days that it was here before it was shut down, um, you said that the director Rodman uh, Fletcher yeah. saw saw Cannibal yeah. Holocaust like in New mm-hmm. York. Yeah, um, I think he snuck in. I think he was thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the best way to say it. Yeah. And, uh, and it only played for a week in New York. I think I still have the variety reviews. Um, oh, God. <laughs> uh, and it, it got a triple X rating. And right, right. Got booted. My so sister's, you, you, you had that connection with him, though. Um, you're, with Rodman? Yeah, with Rodman, yeah. Yeah, Rodman and I met through, um, you know, mutual friends, and and um, and then when he found out I was in Cannibal Holocaust, in fact, it was Rodman who sent me the first copy I saw. I didn't see the movie for twenty years. Oh wow! You never saw it like after it was uh, after no, you finished it. No. You never watched it entire. Okay. Well, I know I didn't have a chance. It was banned. That's well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But I did. Um, I mean, there was a there was a slim chance at one point because, as I said, I was a reader in New York, and I was mm-hmm. re- and I started reading for the movie companies by then. I was reading for United Artists, and I'm walking down the hall one day, and um, I'm a freelancer, so I'm in and out of the building. So I'm walking down the hall, and I hear this guy going, "Holy fuck! Oh, I fuck! I can't! Oh God! Oh fuck!" And I'm like, "What? You know?" I'm just walking by his office. He goes, "Come here! You gotta look at this." We, I don't know this guy, you know, and he's got these stills, you know, it's got all these production, uh, um, what do you call proofs of production stills from Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking because UA was going to do the distribution for the America for America. And he goes, God, this is unbelievable. Look at the Oh, my God. And there's the chick on a stick. And I went and I pointed to me and I went, yeah, that's me. And yeah. he goes, no. <laughs> And then he looks at me, he goes, yeah, no. <laughs> and like, we're both going, holy shit, this is too weird. So, <laughs> That's great. So for a minute, it looked like I would be able to see the movie. Uh, I've seen it three times. You may know by now that it's not my genre. I, right. You know, so I saw it twice right. uh, on Fast Forward and then once, <laughs> <laughs> once where they, uh, they paid me to do, a, you know, a track, a commentary track, right? Francesca, yeah, right. Nice. Um, and and you 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 so you retired from acting in 1999. Is there any specific reason you want to just retire from acting, or what was the kind of the? Uh, it was time to get out of town. Um, uh, I'm not sure how much of this to tell you. I'll tell. I'll just tell you what happened. I had a pretty nasty divorce and in the middle of it one of my children died of cancer oh sorry to hear that so he he was four and so some of those credits that come at the end um uh were people who were helping me keep my insurance Mm -hmm. so you know apollo 13 one of the executive producers was a friend and I actually got um, an audition for. So here, here's the message: You know your life is fucked up when acting is what you have to fall back on. You know. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, um, after he died, 
uh, I was pretty well useless. My career was over. You know, there's things they won't forgive you for in Hollywood, and one of them is being desperate. And uh, um, and I worked for an executive at Paramount, and when she fired me, she said, "You exude sadness." It's like, yeah, I'm sad. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But then this weird thing happened. Um, I, I was putting together my own computers and I um, and I noticed that, uh, you know, I'd buy like a card for the computer or something and the instructions that came with it didn't make any sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and then other ones, I realized that almost everything I bought had something that came with it that explained how to use it, you know? And I suddenly I thought somebody wrote that and I've always been a writer of some sort. And I thought, I think I could do that. And I didn't know the name of it. Then I was in the Phoenix airport in the Avis line. When I was going to a convention for parents of dead children. It's called um, Compassionate Friends. So I was going to this, going there. And I look across the, now I've had this horrible divorce. I've been like, uh, anyway, and look across the, room and there's this woman I fall in love really fast you know so like <laughs> you know it's like her eyes were like gosh, right. she was just fucking gorgeous and I thought <laughs> I thought uh, this one's gonna break my heart oh my god I gotta get out of here you know I gotta I'm gonna I said I thought I know I'll go get my baggage and then she, when I come back she'll be but she just walked right up to me and started talking to me all friendly <clears throat> she just broke up with someone and she spotted me and she's like oh uh, he looks nice i bet he's married i still was married i couldn't get divorced it took forever <laughs> i couldn't i kept i had four divorce attorneys okay so i meet her and it turns out she's a technical writer in silicon valley which is the name of that thing that the, the people who write that shit those little things oh, and, those big, and those big things <laughs> it was fate so it was fate. So now we've been married 23 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah. and she and I moved up here to be a technical writer, which I uh, am still doing. So nice. So, 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 so you're doing that. That's good. Cause I, we were wondering, and um, I saw your, your wife is an artist, right? Cause I saw, and I was watching a documentary. Wow. Uh, you really did. Uh, that Callum. Callum. We dig deep. Um, I haven't seen Callum's documentary yet. He sent me a link and I haven't had a chance to see it. It's not bad. It's okay. Um, he did a good job. I think the second half, it kind of, it kind of goes well, off, but it's, is that, it's, is that, ser- is that searching for cannibal? That was searching for cannibal right. Holocaust too. Yeah. A lot so of the, it's, the second half when he goes to Letitia. Yeah. He, like he goes to Letitia and I liked that because he talks to some of the locals that he was, that, you know, that were in the film. And that was, that was cool. But um, I don't know. It just kind of like it kind of got a little pointless after a while. Like he started asking these questions that he could he couldn't possibly answer. And um, <laughs> you know what I mean? He wrote uh, his a PhD thesis on Cannibal Holocaust. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've never read it, but <laughs> well, I, he asked me to write the and uh, the introduction, which I did, and uh-huh. um, which meant I had to read it, which meant. <laughs> Um, that I 
learned more about Cannibal Holocaust than I could ever have known. Um, <laughs> you know, and I know I'm glad I did. He put it in perspective. Yeah. Now this is only 30 or 40 or 55 years later, you right. know? Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because I, I never actually had my own copy of the script. So I was, so while I was a story analyst and I read scripts and books for a living, you know, I got to Cannibal Holocaust and, and all I had was, you know, I'd have to borrow someone's script to see what what we were going to shoot that day. Right. And and so he was able to put it in the context for me that, um, you know, it's fairly academic. I think when your comments about him being dry are that he's an academic at heart. Yeah, he is. And, and he is a very smart guy, obviously. He brings a lot of good yeah. information, but, um, uh, you know, it might have been... Uh, I think maybe it could have benefited, I guess, from a uh, maybe a producer or something kind of guiding him on what <laughs> what yeah. kind of the delivery of it. You know what I mean? Um, or someone kind of proofreading it and stuff. But uh, I mean, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I saw the uh, I, I haven't seen Search of Can Holocaust, but I watched the cursed films on Shutter. Well, I was just going to ask you that because I haven't had a chance to look at that because I've been moving. What do you I think love of that, that one? one? I mean, it's, yeah. it's short and sweet, short and sweet to the point. It's only 45 minutes long, I think. Um, and that's what I was watching. I had a few beers that I was watching and you come on there. And that's when I ended up emailing you and IMDb Pro. And cool. I'm like, I'm going to email him just to see if he wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> but it, it was a really, I really enjoyed that one, actually. My wife, she wants mm -hmm. to watch it. After she watched the movie, she's like, I would like to see because, you know, there's a lot of backstories and stuff. But right. it's very brisk and it moves. Uh, it, it's oh, very good. detailed, too. So I liked yeah. it. So so one one more question we just kind of have about your, your back story here is what are what are like some you know i know you you've said before like the you know horror movies aren't really your forte obviously um but what are some movies i guess that you were into when you were younger and what made you want to get into acting wow other than other than other than your grand your great grandfather yeah <laughs> that's a so um uh <laughs> so here's the movie stars that always captured me Gene Hackman. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's great. Jack Warden. The Gene Hackman and Jack Warden, who you, who's a character actor, who you may or right. may not, you, you've seen him. They have this thing where <clears throat> they just say it, you know? They never, they're never acting. You don't see him acting. You just see this. They're just it fucking comes out, you know? <laughs> Whatever they have to say, it comes out. And the other side of that is, Robert Redford, who you can write him off as a pretty face and he's a pretty smart guy, but he has this other thing. So here's what they taught me. Here's what Uta Hagen taught us in acting class. Our job is to become familiar with the, the emotional life of the character. Okay, so we all have an emotional life. You, me, everybody right here, we're e emotionalizing at the moment. But we're also covering that somehow, you know? So as an actor, your job is to have the emotion that the character has and then put the cover on it. But the difference between real life and acting is you want the audience to be able to see both. Ah, uh, okay. 
to see you cover those emotions. And that's what Robert Redford does so well. He just has that face. I don't know if he's doing it or not. All I know is he's got that face and those eyes and you can see shit happening in his head, right behind his eyes. And you're like going, tell her you love her, you know, say, and, and you can, he's, you can see he's just about to do it. And then he doesn't, right? Then the yeah. movie goes over here. Cause you can't actually say that till the very end of the movie. Right. So, um, cause of the structure. So are there the any print- modern, are there any like modern actors nowadays that you feel like are kind of like that? I have to tell you, I have a lot of trouble keeping track of who anybody is. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, I I, I really get it now when my mom and dad were like, uh, they all look alike. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, uh, You know, I always hear I always hear people, you know, like, for example, like people always say, like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is one of those that like. You know, he's been around since you know 90s when he was his heyday and you know early 2000s and still on yeah. today but you know he's kind of one of those actors and uh christian bales another one that a lot of people always mention as being a great method see, actor see I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if i've ever seen a christian bale movie yeah. oh i'll tell you one thing that did grab me it's so stupid it's called um uh, burn notice you know burn oh notice? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah it's it's like so stupid um, you know so and i also taught screenwriting at stanford for five years and 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 you know here's how i always like to start the class i said how many people walked out of a movie and said how did that piece of shit get made and everybody (laughs) went like that and i said you know you're asking the wrong question how the piece of shit got made that's easy you know that's the easy part the hard question is how did that great movie get made that's the question you have that's to true. ask because yeah. otherwise you're chasing the wrong thing. Yeah. You know? That's true. Um, so so uh I've just also gotten I'm at the moment I'm just kind of full, you know. I'm just kind oh, of full. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind yeah. Of full. So totally. we'll burn notice. We'll go with burn notice. And burn uh, notice. Be- and Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Good old Mike Judge. You gotta love yeah. Mike Judge. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, so Kind of, we'll get into Cannibal Holocaust now here, uh, but so according to the story that you've told, you got this call about an acting job, this mysterious acting job in South America, right? Or there was a job opening in South America. You didn't see a script, as you said. You didn't hear any about anything about contacts, and you were telling, you were saying how you were in the Screen Actors Guild and you you know you took this job because it was outside of that territory um so apparently you weren't the first choice as alan yates as well so can you just tell us uh and the people listening a little bit about kind of your involvement with cannibal holocaust and your size ten and a half shoe (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you just made my case for you know actors have almost no control over what they end up doing so Rogero, I guess, had come to New York and went to some acting place. Uh, I forget where Perry was, but he hired these two actors, Perry, who played Jack, and Perry's best friend, I think, um, as Alan Yates. And the way I heard it was the best friend um, quit at the airport. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> so by then they had already bought the costumes and then he quit. So as Ruggiero, as the crew is boarding the plane, <laughs> Ruggiero calls this guy named Bill Williams, who was the casting director I knew. So when you're an actor in New York, at least in the 70s and the early 80s, the way you got seen, you know, we all banded together and put on our, we'll put on a show. They're not, they're not hiring me. So we'll put on our, so I, I, I was probably in five of these different groups, actors initiative. And you, you know, you work up a scene and you invite the agents and then they never come. And then, you know, and you know, like that. So, so, but um, casting directors offer classes. And <laughs> so if you have a brain and it took me a while to figure it out, um, one way I got on One Life to Live was I took her class. This is Mary Jo Slater, who oh. is Christian Slater's mom. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I took her. I took her class, and then she puts you on the show, and you get your money back. You know, so the class. So okay, there's another long story attached to that. You don't get to hear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will one day. <laughs> so, uh, so Bill Williams, so Bill Williams was one of these casting directors and I was taking classes with him. He's not a teacher, he's a casting director, but it, it keeps me there. Okay. So, so they called him on a Friday, I guess they, yeah, I'm not sure how it happened, but anyway, he, he called me. Now I'm living with this woman who is a, um, literary agent who um we had a house in connecticut summer house if you have more than like 15 dollars and you're in new york city in august you know you're not in new york city you are you go somewhere else so we had this place up in connecticut and um she was already up there and i was supposed to take the train up or i don't know what but Bill calls me and says, you know, are you are you available? And I said, of course. And he goes, uh, you know, for a month, can you, uh, I go, uh, yeah. And he goes, for, will you leave the country? Will you go to South America? I said, sure. And he said, well, get over here. And I said, well, who am I? What am I auditioning for? He said, doesn't matter. Just get <laughs> over here. <laughs> just get over here nothing so sketchy I, about that you know <laughs> yeah yeah i know so i was on i was i was living on the east side on east 51st street and he's in times square so i dashed across town and he was up on the on the penthouse you know where the ball drops yeah 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 so his penthouse was right there right next to where the ball dropped and i've been to a couple of different uh new year's eve parties up there that was fun. So I walk in and I hand, you know, this guy's got my picture and this other picture and he looks at two of them. He looks at my resume. He's Italian. He's like, I don't even know if he reads English, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. And he says, uh, yeah, and what size shoes do you wear? I said, you know, size 10 and a half. And he goes, ah, you wait in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more actor to see. And it was one more actor. He was a friend of mine. And he came in and he had the wrong size feet. So they booked me. <laughs> oh, so, nice. <laughs> so that was on a Friday, but I didn't have a passport. 
So I called my parents. So at the time, my father, um, my father went into politics and he, he was a campaign manager and that kind of stuff. He worked for Ronald Reagan when Reagan was governor of California. Then he, then he helped this one-term senator get elected from California, a guy named S.I. Hayakawa. So Hayakawa, who was known as the sleeping senator because he was kind of a lush, you know, and yeah. he'd go to work and tip a few and go to sleep. Sounds like and, Will. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Will. Yeah. yeah, maybe I could be a senator. One-term senator, who knows, or whatever. Well, you know, probably these days you you could make it a lifetime, you know, <laughs> especially from from Pennsylvania. Boy, we need you. So I do my, best. Uh, my dad, through his connections, got my passport to me by Sunday afternoon. Wow, <laughs> nice. I know, I know, and this is before FedEx and before all of that. Right, right. And Monday morning, I got on a plane. What'd your parents think about this, by the way? Well, you know, he didn't want me to be an actor, right? Right. So, <laughs> did, you, did you give them the full details that you were just going to South America and you didn't know anything about it, or did you have to kind of act a little bit and say I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I gave them the uh, the Hallmark version of it you know <laughs> It's just a good Christian movie down in South America yeah. that we're filming <laughs> Yeah 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 the, yeah wholesome yeah. movie like what the Christians actually do when they come yeah. get somewhere you know Jeez Oh that's so, great So yeah so then uh, I was on the plane and uh, off off we went it was uh you gotta have some like big, big balls on that, man. I don't even know if I could do that. Like, just like, just how how mystique it is and everything like that. And it's like, I would, I would think I was gonna get killed or something, or something bad was gonna happen. I don't know. I would probably be like, uh, uh. Well, um, the, the moment came when I thought I was gonna get killed. Um, you know, when I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if this was a snuff movie. Um, right. I think it was after they did the monkey. Um, might have been after he did the monkey when they cut the monkey's head open. Uh-huh. That's when I thought, uh, nobody knows where I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. that's like yeah, fucking terrified. You know, we're eighteen hundred miles from the Atlantic. You know, right up up the worst river uh, on this side of the globe. So that's when I mean, this is so so yeah. Like to wrap up everything Will just said, it's all about the fantasy, right? right. So the fantasy was I got on the plane. As I'm on my way down there, I'm thinking, this is going to make a good story on the Tonight Show, right? This there is the fantasy, go. right? Yeah. So, so this can take me all the way to Tonight Show, and um, and then when I got down there, and the fantasy was, what if they try to kill me? So I carried. <laughs> All my money on the, in a money belt, and and my plane. I had a I had a plane ticket. There were only two planes a week out of Letitia up to Bogota, but I had my plane ticket and all my money with me because what was I going to do? They were going to come over to kill me, and I was going to run through the jungle <laughs> for forty five minutes back to this town, you right. know. With my money and my plane ticket. Yeah, the most like treacherous part of the earth, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was going to escape. And um, yeah. Did you guys have now? Did you guys have uh, like protection when you were down there? Because you know, there's you know, 
you know, people that don't know, I mean, you obviously do, you were there, but like, you know, the civil war was going on, you know, you yeah. had the drug trade was, <laughs> it's like, this it, is like the wild west down there. Did you guys it, have it any was, security? No, we didn't have anything. They didn't have any like security on set or anything either. No, that's oh, wild. God. Jesus Christ. I know. That's I like, know. you know, you would that, think they would have made a connection with somebody, you know, to protect the filming of like, what's going on? Well, you know, so the, what was the producer's name? Denunzio, I think. This guy was, oh, God. He tried to pay me in uh, Colombian pesos, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. About this, about yeah, this what's the exchange rate on that like one? <laughs> right, well, that's what I said. And I'm really bad at math, but even I figured out right. that, that, you know, he was shorting me like $17. And um, and I brought that up. This was Saturday, more Saturday afternoon, and so it's like he hands me this big stack of pesos, and I'm like, and I and and I said, you know, you're seventeen dollars short. He goes, you're worried about seventeen dollars. I said, I'm not the one stealing seventeen dollars from an actor. You are. Apparently, you're the one worried about the seventeen dollars. Yeah, he's and, a cheap ass. <laughs> and and I was already on film, so I said, you know, I'm not shooting another frame till uh, I get Benjamin's. And uh, he said, you know how hard that is to get down here. And I, and I said, that's not my problem. You know? <laughs> and sure enough, by by Monday morning, I had I had my money. I mean, yeah. I just I just did the inflation calculator. 17, yeah. 17 bucks was like almost $70. I would pitch a fit about that too. That's 70 yeah. bucks. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, the language and cultural barriers kind of hindering you from the relationships on set. Um, yeah. you, you, I think, I think Luca, uh, you said you were close. Was it, was it Luca you were close with? I can't remember. No. No, it wasn't Luca. No. <laughs> it was one of the other actors you were close with, and then so, um, so you followed Luca's career. You know what he he's doing now? He's in the Italian Parliament and has been for oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and he's he's that's also a, that's amazing. And he's also produced a bunch of uh, um, oh god, Chinatown. Who directed Chinatown? Roman uh, Polanski. Roman Polanski. Yeah, he's, he's produced a bunch of Roman Polanski's. Uh, movies. Oh wow, that's I know. insane! <laughs> I, know. I did not know that. <laughs> I know. So uh, no, Luca, language barrier there, but also, you know what? I just found because we were moving. I just found a journal that I kept while we were shooting Cannibal Holocaust that. I had no memory of writing. Oh, wow. I, I, I don't. I didn't remember writing it, and um, and I didn't know it. And in there, it, it I, I just read part of it recently, and um, it's kind of hard to read. But um, it turns out that Jack and um, and Luca they teamed up as pals, and Luca and Francesca had come over together from Italy. They were both Italian. And then they had a falling out of some sort. So he was always making comments about her and like, you know, so he and so Jack, Jack or Perry, Perry was pissed because I took his friend's place, right. you know, and he barely talked to me the whole time. 
And um, so I was stuck with Francesca, who also didn't speak English very well. Here's who I really got close to. His name was Sal Salvo, Salvatore. He was the assistant director. Right, okay. And, and he'd grown up near an army base in Italy. So he spoke English perfectly. And um, and he was an Eagle Scout. And uh, and so was I. We were both Eagle Scouts. Oh, wow, but, okay. But, but where, where he was prepared, where I wasn't, was he had a roll-up uh, hammock. He had a hammock. So when you're out in the jungle, there's like no place to sit, you know? And and there's like no tree stumps and there's no rocks. It was just all mud. Oh, I mean, there, you know, it was just <laughs> fucking mud everywhere. But there, you know, at lunch, there we are like scrambling for a place to sit and eat lunch. And there he is in his hammer. <laughs> it was great. He, he came prepared, obviously. He did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I definitely that 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 feeling though I I know that feeling well like being a you know 18 year old kid in the Navy and going overseas like oh, you yeah. meet so many different you meet so many different people that like you don't really connect to at all you feel like yeah. what the fuck did I get myself into I remember like the first year and then you finally find somebody that you're like all right this guy's pretty cool you know it's like a breath of fresh air almost you know what I mean like, yeah yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel a little bit more energetic and positive about the situation you're in. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. <laughs> Did you talk to now? Did you film any of the? Um, you know, obviously you weren't in the movie in the same scenes, but Robert Kerman, were you? Did you? Or was he gone by that point? You know, he he claims that we met down there. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't does, remember apparently. meeting him down there. Uh, so it's I. We always we were laughing earlier on me and while we were talking because every interview because <laughs> he's a porn star. Every interview that we've read about Robert Kerman is that he had a small penis. <laughs> really? Ruggiero said it. Yeah, Ruggiero, uh, he said in this one book that I have called Spaghetti Nightmares, he said, it was like, I was really surprised because he had a small penis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. That's horrible. And then, That's and then, horrible. And then the actors um, who were in, I think his name was Ronaldo. It was one of the, he played one of the cannibals um, in Callum's movie or his documentary oh, oh. and Renaud, they talked about Robert Kerman. And that was the one thing he remembered is that he had a small penis. <laughs> <laughs> so how did we, you know, we're just curious, you know, if it, if it was true, if we could have a third person confirm, you know, here's Robert what I, here's, small penis. when Robert's not with us anymore, so he right. can't defend himself. So Absolutely. I'll, just, I'll Absolutely. just go to town on him here. Um, <laughs> So I didn't meet Robert that I knew of until uh, Grindhouse put out the 25th anniversary DVD. Right. And Sage and Bob, do you know these guys at all? The Grindhouse we, guys? I, we, I, I've never met them, but yeah, I know yeah. who they are. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. Know. So they found me and Sage, uh, I have to tell you, when they came up to interview me for that, I was like, you know, I thought, well, Bob has this really long hair. I'm like, and then they had a guy named John Gulliger with them. John won the green light. What there was a TV show where people pitched their uh, project green light. I think it was project oh, green light. Yes. Yep. It was on HBO. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. So the three of them came up here. John was the cameraman. Uh, Bob Bob was there to be the editor. Turns out Bob Morosky 
is the editor on all of Sam Raimi's movies. So Bob is like, yeah, he's you know, a fellow Michigan native. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. And yeah. um, and then there's Sage, who you know, oh God, the poor guy. Um, because you can't when you have a dad like that and you can't live up to him. You know, that's a that's tough. Right. That's tough. So they show up in Palo Alto where I was living, and uh, and I'm like, uh, is this like a school project? What the what the fuck are you guys doing? You know. <laughs> I don't get it. Is this like, you know, and then they did it. And then they said, and then we're going to take you to the chiller convention in New York where you can meet your fans. I'm like, your <laughs> what, what fans? Because up until then, I didn't know that anybody had seen this movie. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know because I knew it had been banned. My sister saw it in Tokyo. She was living there. Uh, she left, uh, she walked out, so she didn't want to see me die. <laughs> I told her it's a movie. It's right, a movie. yeah. I didn't die. So that's, anyway, that's uh, awesome. they, they show up and uh, and and they do this and they take me to, to, then they started putting me on the circuit and I went to some shows. Um, so Bob and Sage, <laughs> it turns out, are like, you know, if you look at Grindhouse, and I, like I said, this isn't my genre, but, but, they had this really specific, like, Mondo Italian, these particular years. It's like, I couldn't believe it, you know? I couldn't yeah. believe that um, somebody would be that, like, autistic about it somehow. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Meh. okay, no. Okay, so no. Oh, okay. Now I remember. I'm going to trash Robert. That's right. Okay. So. <laughs> So we go to New York and uh, they sit me down next to Robert and I don't really know who he is because I've seen one copy at that point I'd seen can one copy of Cannibal Holocaust that uh, Rodman had sent to me, which was uh, a PAL format instead of NTSC. Do you know what this is? The, the yeah, sound. The, yeah. So yeah. right. So we you know all this all the dialogue sounds like Chip and Dale. We're going out in the common and we're going to have a you know and i'm smirking through the whole thing but i'm skinny you know so i right. like it you know and then i see the turtle and then i'm really sorry i see the turtle okay it's a rough scene yeah so i'm not really i don't so that's when i start like uh, fast forwarding so i kind of missed everything that robert had done so we sit they sit me next to robert and he's like yeah i, I know you and then people start coming up to the table and they've got these porn movies and they want Robert to sign Debbie Does Dallas and you know, all these things. And I'm like, first of all, cannibal Holocaust fans, really? And then uh, porn, so then Robert starts in on, oh, okay. So then somebody comes up and they're going, yeah, and they killed animals. They shouldn't have killed, Ruggiero's an asshole. He shouldn't have, they didn't have to kill the animals. That was shitty. Oh, didn't he kill an animal? Didn't he kill something? He actually killed something. At least I didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Well, Kerm Kermit did. Yeah, didn't Kermit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. It's a Code of Moon, or whatever. That's the is, worst fucking one. That, too, that's the worst opinion. one to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he's there, like going, "Ah, they shouldn't have did that." Nah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, so now he's thinning. His hair's thinning. He's missing some teeth, and um, he's like. Uh, really depressed and he's like uh yeah if i just hadn't done all that porn <clears throat> i could have had a real career 
and uh, so the way I summed it up to somebody was that the, what he was saying to people who came to the table was, uh, I used to have hair, I used to have teeth, uh, he shouldn't have killed the animals, and my dick doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and, and it's and it's small. It's, <laughs> but he never he, he never he never said that. He never said that. So so I can't convince myself that it was small because I'd have to go back and see Debbie does Dallas. Well, yeah, doesn't he? Well, uh, have doesn't, to go he back. Shows and see, off, okay. He shows off his hog in a Cannibal Holocaust. Doesn't he? He's in the in the water. They're yeah. like bathing. Well, and that's another scene too that uh, the the local was talking about in the interview. They said the girls like in the in the water they were like touching it and stuff and he was like ooh kind of getting uncomfortable with it because they were all grabbing it but they <laughs> but the whole time he was like it was small <laughs> they called it they, apparently they called his pecker um it down in Leticia they called it little bird they called oh, it little bird oh god <laughs> oh, poor robert i know poor robert Jeez, if i'd known that i would have been a little bit nicer to him Debbie Debbie does Dallas and it goes down to the Amazon and gets called Little Bird by everybody. <laughs> I know, right. Right? There's something wrong there. Jesus yeah. Lord. So so uh you know, so I finally said, you know, Robert, um you, you know, they like it that they you killed the animals in this movie. They like that, you know. When they can next time, next guy that comes over, I said they want to give you money, you know. Yeah. Don't they, you know, say thank you. I'll tell you what. Instead of all that shit you're saying, just say thank you. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sign your name. Yeah, just move Take on with money. Yeah, keep it moving. On. Yeah, keep it Take moving. their money. <laughs> Take their money. He was very depressed, and he. Uh... That's really wild to me that people would like. Would, like I, I see. I saw an interview um, a long time ago with David Hess from Last House on the Left, and there was this girl that was like barraging him about like his character in Last House on the Left, and I was sitting there like. Why the fuck would you go to the table and like and, and even like do this interview or like why would you go to Robert Kerman's table and be like you killed the fucking animals you piece of shit like to me that's you're you're an idiot like I don't know that, yeah. that kind of gets me mad. <laughs> <laughs> People didn't know they came over and they said oh that was great you know yeah. and then and then he was the one who wanted to look good you know and yeah. say oh we shouldn't have did that so David Hess um, uh, fooled me and it might have been. It might have been a wasteland. There was another time I was on a panel with him, and he and Ruggiero got into it, and you know they were like, rah, 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 and I'm like, at the convention? Fuck. Yeah, at the panel. That's amazing, right in front of everybody. And then it turns out that he, you know, we were on the same flight back to California, and uh, and because I'd never seen any of his movies, I'd never heard of him. Well, we became close friends. You were David Hess. He's yeah. He's oh, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite seventies eighties actors of all time. Because he was a great guy. He was a yeah. great guy, yeah. and that and all of that shit he did with Ruggiero was just an act. It was oh, yeah. just a thing that they did for people, and all of that crankiness that he did on the panels and shit. It was just bullshit. So that's good. I'm 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 bad on the panels. I try to tell the truth. You know, it's just, <laughs> just stupid. So so speaking of Ruggiero, um, you know he from his interviews that I've watched, he seems, he seemed like a bit of a loner on the set. Um, he, he said many times that he didn't do drugs. He didn't party. Yeah. He didn't. Um, yeah. 
And, but there are many stories that I've read about him being kind of this abrasive and energetic director. Um, and even you and in, in your interview, you talk about how you were flubbing your lines because you heard the pig get shot behind you. And he was like holding his fist up. Like, Oh yeah. He was, you know, pissed. so what, what was it like? I mean, working with Ruggiero, because you said, you, you also said too, that you never really saw that side of him too. So what was it? So what? I so I think that by the time I did Cannibal Holocaust, I had I, I I'm not sure what Perry had done. I, I think I had more experience than anybody. That's what I think. I'd been on more sets and I'd been around the business more, and I understood better what the process was. And so w one thing a good director does for you is they put they don't if they if they give you line readings and tell you how to say a line that's how you know they're a shitty director <laughs> because can you can that, never yeah. you can never do it that way and that's not how that's working from the outside in right right what the good directors do is they put a they put an image in your head they put something in your head that that you're that you're uh, you know, sometimes it's um, uh, what you're trying to do to the other character or what you want from them, which is something you need to know anyway as an actor. That's what you need to know. I mean, every line should have some kind of status exchange. That's how you make your dialogue really crackle, you know? It's like me either raising or lowering your status or raising or lowering my status. Mm -hmm. And if you have that as a subtext, then things start really working. So, so what a director does is he enhances things like that. That's what Ruggiero did for me. Right. That's what. So when he was screaming at uh, Francesca, who's the one he screamed at most of the time. Um, <laughs> well, because also she screamed back, and right. um, and I did a show with the two of them in Orlando, maybe maybe five years ago, something like that. And they just sat next to each other, bitching and moaning still and bitching at each other. They're still doing it. And I'm like, <laughs> I finally asked the guy, you know, can you put me at a different table? It's like, no, no, this is the Cannibal Holocaust reunion. And I'm like, yeah, but can I reunion over there and they can reunion over here? Because, oh, my God, they're wearing me out, you know? Yeah, she still has a lot to say about him on that Cursed Films episode. Does when she? They her. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, she she's she's very I want to say political uh, maybe about things maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean I mean apparently to the locals you're like a five times sex god with her. Oh yeah, know, so. <laughs> oh yeah, five times, five times. Yeah, I feel like they probably built a statue of you down there. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle of the Amazon, just there. Yeah, just <laughs> you. <laughs> So Ruggiero sent me, because he's always been trying to make the sequel, you know, he sent me a, um, uh, a treatment of like what that movie would be. And it ends up with me being impaled on the pole <laughs> by somehow, somehow it's a, uh, here, oh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, because this is one of the, one of the real, um, magic tricks I think Ruggiero did. 
it, it, it's easy. I think it's easy to miss the depth of what Ruggiero brought to that story. And, and I wasn't aware, quite aware of it until I read Callum's book. And if, and if you haven't, you know, maybe I'll send you my, um, my, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, you, we're, we're talking an email, right? I'll send yeah. you, yeah, I'll, send well. yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the introduction that I wrote for it. Awesome. Cause it, cause my introduction is based basically says, wow, I didn't know any of this shit. You know? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> done <laughs> like that's that's pretty cool but but one of the things he did was he actually killed animals and which created this fear that he was going to kill the humans and and where it got in trouble was in the courts was they didn't know if he had killed the people yeah. right so he pulled this weird magic trick of like screwing with people's heads about who's getting killed in this movie and it's just right. I, I just think it's it's as far as movies go it's something that most people would not have so so once he once that's his idea so in hollywood here's one of the things you learn in hollywood working for a producer nobody nobody makes a picture based on who wrote it or who's or who's going to star in it stars he you can get. I, I had I had a I had a, a script set up with uh, John Travolta starring in it and Joan Micklin Silver, who you've never heard of, directing it. And uh, in the studio said, you know, if you get rid of Joan and get rid of John, we can uh, we'll have a, you know, we can do it. This is before. Um, um, God, I want to call it Punch and Judy. What the fuck is wrong with me? Pulp Fiction. Oh. Um, <laughs> before Pulp I'm, Fiction, I'm forever gonna call Pulp Fiction Punch and Judy. Yeah, that's a new, new name. <laughs> no longer now. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, you're making fun of a, you know a demented old man. So, so, what what people invest in is a director, because the director is the guy who can actually get it in the can. So what that means is if you're the writer and then you have to hand it over to a director, it's his vision that's going in the can, not yours, right? Which is why a lot of writers want to become directors so that they can control that vision only to find out they still can't control it because right. they still can't get actors to do exactly what they have in their mind. And the studio won't let them in, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's like anyway. So when a guy like Ruggiero who, uh, you know, he came up through the ranks with some pretty heavy, heavyweight, you know, guys. Um, and yeah, he did. He was, he was, he was, he was involved with um, Rossellini, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Cor Corbucci and all these like big name Italian directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But but he also had that personality of, I'm gonna get what I want. Right. <laughs> whatever it takes right whatever it takes i'm gonna get the shot and i i really lay a lot of it on my improv background which is like that i'm just really <clears throat> open to you know what one of the things they taught us was yes and you never say no you know 
when somebody comes up to you in an improv scene and says, dad, can I have the keys to the car? And you go, I'm not your dad. Well, you know, that's a little cheap laugh. And then that's the end of the scene. You know, there's no place to go except you're in a nut house. Right. You know, how many nut house scenes can you do in a night? So, right. So you always say yes. So I didn't think I was your dad, but now you name me as the dad. Now we're going to go that direction. So whatever Ruggiero brought to me, except for shooting the pig, you know, Right, right. Um, I'm like, okay, let's make that work, you know. And other people fought back, uh, mostly Francesca. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ruggiero also talks about, you know, the cocaine. Uh, he said on the set, it was just the crew was always hopped up on cocaine. Is that what um, he said? That's so what now, he said. So well, he now says I'm it. pissed. Now I'm pissed. Because you know what? <laughs> they never shared any with me. Never. <laughs> selfish sons of bitches. So he said there there was he he might just be delirious at this point you know he is he's he's pretty old um so he said though um he said that you know everyone was always partaking in cocaine it was you know he did say that there was one american actor who didn't so that might have been you um that he was (laughs) that (laughs) no one offered offered it but but um so speaking of the cocaine and the nightlife um, you know, you, you, you do mention in interviews how you had, you know, Saturday nights was kind of like the partying and going to the oh, discos yeah. and going out. Yeah. And uh, what what's your what is your favorite Joey Travolta track? By the <laughs> <way>? <laughs> you know, one of these days I got to look up uh, Joey and see what he was actually doing, because um, I have no idea what we were hearing in there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, wow, there's it, it's almost impossible to capture um, how fucking weird that was <laughs> on two counts. One is we're in the middle of the jungle, right? And two discos, there's two discos across the street from each, each other. There was two discos there, rival discos, but no, but no movie the theater the or anything else, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, nothing else. Discos. But Joey Travolta made it down there. Yay, Joey. <laughs> it's probably his claim then, to fame nowadays. And, and then there's the little, uh, you know, the, the moment that we all thought we were going to die when the army came in and did I tell that story? I told that story. Yeah. Well, tell it, tell it again. I don't, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if the people so I'm in the disco. It. I'm in the back room of the disco looking for, you know, where's, okay. uh, the, crew, no. <laughs> where's the crew getting more cocaine. <laughs> So, so this is the, the three frontiers, the Tres Fronteras, where um, Peru and Brazil and Colombia meet. And so there's four currencies there. There's Peruvian and Brazilian and uh, Colombian pesos and then American dollars. Right. And probably you could get whatever you wanted there. Um, I, I pretty much just watched, you know, because it scared the crap out of me. Absolutely, that would scare me. You know, <laughs> and I, because I'm not sure, I wasn't sure what was happening, but there was everything was happening back there, and so, so I got my favorite stuff back there, and that, and then uh, came out just in time for the lights to come up, and these uh, like. 12 army men i was at 12 10 might have been two you know i don't know but they like swarm in 
and they've pushed the crowd back against the wall of this disco in the middle of the jungle. And I'm like, oh, they're never going to know how I died, you know? And then... And <laughs> I'm then dying I, to Joey Travolta. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Joey, save me, Joey. Save me. And then this little 14-year-old girl comes in and does a floor exercise, you know, and spins around and does, like, you know, a little... And now... You know those moments where you're not sure if you're channeling, you know? Like, where's the broadcast booth that's making this movie? (laughs) You know, and then then she finished and she went out and everyone like got sucked back out those doors, just like they ran the the film backwards. So she went like that. And then then the lights went down and then everyone out and kept dancing. That would have killed my buzz right there. Yeah. But it just had to fucking walk. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so I weird. I had something. I had something similar. Uh, I was in Bali, Indonesia, and uh, we were we were in port, and we had like a weekend, and we go out to Bali, Indonesia, and this is the first time I, I sniffed speed, right? And never the speed of my life, but somehow someone got oh boy. speed. And I'm like, fuck it, let's do it, right? So we sniff a line of speed. And I'm in this like bar and someone comes up to me, starts talking about how Indonesian drug charges are like, you'll go, you'll get killed, death penalty. Like they'll kill you. So I'm like, why would you tell me that after I just like sniffed the line of speed? Like, you know what I mean? Now I'm all paranoid. But then all of a sudden two or three cops come into this bar and it's like a, it's not a disco, obviously. This is kind of present time, but it's still like like a club, like lights everywhere. And there's these guys with guns coming in. I'm like, oh no, what is going on? So it it literally like, I I, could have left the whole time but i didn't want to leave because i thought if i left i would have been like guilty of charge (laughs) they were just there checking in on everyone but it was just it was the most insane like it felt like i was in a quentin tarantino film i was like what is going on yeah (laughs) and well what were they doing there i have no idea probably arresting (laughs) somebody but it wasn't me so i didn't give a fuck (laughs) nice nice but that's the last time i ever did speed Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I, I know. I just, I love hearing those stories about just how weird just and just otherworldly some of these countries are, especially when you get down to the local villages and stuff, just how crazy. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> you know, having been a story analyst and reader and everything, I read some, not a whole lot, South American literature and the, um, so they had their own culture and then the Catholics brought their culture. And then the mix of those two, which are highly incompatible in many ways and right. a lot and, and violent, you know, the cat, the, the Europeans were very violent and they found violent people there. They were killing, you know, um, but it's created this really surrealistic, um, um, literature and and uh, and there's a surrealistic feeling all all over the place now of course that's where ayahuasca comes from and all those all those crazy things that make people you know did you ever read any of the carlos castaneda books that wasn't mm-hmm. part of your growing up carlos yeah. castaneda is uh, so in when i was growing up in the 60s he was writing books about uh, people taking mescaline and like taking psychedelics and as part of uh, you know uh, spiritual rituals 
South American and Native American spiritual rituals. And we were doing it for other rituals. (laughs) 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 You know? but uh, but you know the the atmosphere there really it's just like it's that's how it is you know that's how it is it's just like this this mix of cultures that don't belong together that really just don't belong it's weird yeah it's it's true but Joey brought everybody together and I just want to you know give a shout out to Joey Travolta for <laughs> you know bringing us all together. A little fun in the darkness there. Thank yeah, that's yeah. his claim to fame right there, man. Brought yeah. everyone together for Cannibal Holocaust. You, and- you brought up uh Regario's um sequel. Um oh, yeah. and I heard I I heard I forget what interview it was. Might have been the podcast interview. Uh you were talking about your idea for the Cannibal Holocaust sequel. Oh, did I have one? What was it? I think it was the Alan actually lives. And he's like oh, yeah. kind of in cahoots with jo- Joseph Mengele. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that sounds amazing to me, by the way. Doesn't like, that sound like a great idea? That's like Fuck some yeah, Apocalypse Now kind of shit, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the Nazis <laughs> and, and Alan Yates hanging out together, doing, yeah, doing medical experiments. Right yeah, yeah, doing medical experiments on children. Yeah. Dude, I, I think you should just make it. Just do it. So I you must it. have seen The Green Inferno. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I got duped. <laughs> I, yeah. I wasn't the biggest fan. So, like, because of how big of a Cannibal Holocaust fan I am, uh, you know, Eli, I like Eli Roth. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he knows what he's doing. He's not a bad director. A lot of people shit on him uh, for no reason. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, he came out saying, oh, it's a, you know, it's my uh, homage to Cannibal Holocaust. And I was so excited. I bought tickets for the first day and brought my wife and, you know, and she likes Green Inferno. But we went there and I was watching. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just really? it didn't have that feeling of Cannibal yeah. Holocaust to me, you know. Yeah. See, here's where here's where he made his mistake. I was available. Yeah, there you go. Actually, you know? one of my questions, I, I I didn't think, I didn't think maybe he he would you know like you would even really because this horror is not really your thing, you know. So I didn't really bring up Green Inferno. But one of my questions I was originally going to write down is. Did Eli Roth contact you for yeah. anything for the green? Yeah, what a douchebag! Fuck Eli. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, well, I, I'm, 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 I definitely wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Um, but I would also add that he's a fucking idiot, you know, because <laughs> he could have sold another two or three tickets, you know. Oh, if, absolutely. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, well, he had Ruggiero in Hostel too. I think he he, he did. had him star in Hostel too. Um, is that right? Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. He was like, so, he was like yeah. I just watched recently Hostel too, and uh, they go into a room and they ask for like, oh, do you want to have another victim? And Rogero's in there, and he's like cutting this person's leg that? off and putting oh. it on a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would have been great. Like, uh, have a cameo with you in it. That would have been fucking phenomenal. Like, you know, just throw you in. He's a fucking douchebag. What so a douchebag. What? A, there you go. Now I feel like I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> What about a book called They Eat Their Own? Do you know this book? No, I do not. So this young woman named Kia Wilson, I think, she had to see my interview on the on the Grindhouse thing and wrote a novel based on that because there's stuff in really? her novel. There's stuff in her novel that's only in that interview. Did you, oh, wow. did you, you should have contacted her and been like, Oh, hey. I did. I did. And she, <laughs> she 
She like, sent me. Oh yeah, no, yeah. She wrote a novel. She's, you know, that cost her money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> There's no still. money in it. There's no money. But I read it. She's a pretty decent writer, and she uh, she captured something. Um, but she didn't want to get close to me at all. She did set. She sent me a copy that said thank you for your work or something like that. But she never returned any of my calls or my emails. What? She yeah. lives somewhere in. She's a librarian somewhere in. I mean, I don't know. It's, you got to watch out for those li- the librarians, man. Exactly. Silent librarians. They're silent. Yeah, exactly. they got a lot going on. I have one question, and I kind of have that statement I wanted to make at, at, at the yeah. end. Uh, you know, a- after the film was wrapped. Everything was said and done. Uh, well, you know, you're flying away from the jungle here. You're on your plane ride home to New York City. Uh, what, what was your feelings? Like, kind of like you egressing from this whole entire experience that you had? Uh, that's a good question. I, my feeling was, so this is 1979. I'm 27. I felt like... Uh, let me tell you what happened. I got back. I'd been living with that woman I told you about who was a literary agent. And within a month, we broke up. After Cannibal Holocaust. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And because I, I, I don't want to get too cliche-ish about it. I grew up somehow, you know. I grew up somehow. And I... I uh, I saw a different future for myself and I, I, I had survived something that was, I knew was, I mean, going through it, you're just going through it one day at a time, you know, right. and you get up and eat and then you get in the boat and then you go to the set. And, you survived Joey Travolta, dude. Yeah, that's then, right, yeah. <laughs> right. And you get high and you listen to Joey in the jungle and <laughs> holy crap, but it had changed me somehow. You know, right. really had and uh, um, yeah so it's kind of a line of demarcation because pretty soon after that was when I pretty much knew I wasn't a Broadway actor you know that wasn't going to happen for me and um, I got an agent and I went to Hollywood uh, pretty shortly <laughs> yeah well, this was a good one then I went and did, a, did some Shakespeare oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not a Shakespearean actor, um, but I went to, you know, then I was ready. I felt like I was ready for Hollywood. I was ready to go test it there, that I, I, I made it through the jungles of New York and the jungles of, you know, Columbia. Right. Uh, we'll go to Hollywood and go to that jungle. So it it, it really does. This is like a little fulcrum, you know, where where things things actually, it actually changed things for how I saw myself. So I got that agent, and what I didn't know was that, because they, I chose her because they had a Hollywood office. Um, what I didn't know was the office in Hollywood hated her. And so when I got to Hollywood and I went there and said, you know, Renee in New York signed me, and they're like, oh yeah, uh, this was September. Why don't you come back in February? They said. <laughs> like, what, what does that mean in Hollywood talk? Does that mean fuck you? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things I, I, I remember when I emailed you, 
and I was telling Jess um, right away what I wanted to tell you. And I, I told you on email, like to me and Jeff, this is not just a you know horror movie to us. Like I feel like this is an important film in film cinema. As much as that sounds crazy, it is. It, it, it's definitely it's one of the first found footage films, and yeah. it's way you know it, it, it shows so much shit that's happening right now. And when I showed my nephew Cannibal Holocaust for the first time, mm. when you guys are lighting the village up, right? Um, yeah. He asked me to pause it, so I paused the film. And I thought he was going to tap out. I thought he was going to say, I don't want to watch this anymore or whatever. And he turns around to me and he says, this reminds you, like, what are these, like, these, like, uh, social media prank channels and influencers, like, what they do to get views and followers. Like, they do terrible things oh. to, to, to get followers and, and, like, sensationalize this, like, this, this, this footage that they're making. And I looked at this kid. I'm like, wow, you kind of hit that on the head because that's, that's, like, really, like, there's so much violence on the news and in the, in you know in the you know just showing you on 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 the internet social media and, and whatnot but it was one of the coolest things and it was from your acting you know from he, he you know the one scene that he always talks about too is uh when you're smiling with the impaled girl oh, and they're yeah, like, oh we're, yeah. we're filming we're filming and you're like oh my god it's it's the sexual right that and like you know it's it's fucked up because he's 13 watching this film but he you're acting the way it was filmed just you know deodato being who he is and just yeah. the time, like it still hits the nerves, and 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 for yeah. the right person, you can see what it was all about. And yeah, you know, I really love this film, man. And I thank you so much for being on here. It's it's yeah, definitely absolutely. here, man. I really, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you could probably tell I love talking about it, but more <laughs> than that, I love talking about me. So you know, um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, Not at all, man. No, I've had a, I've had a lot of fun in my career. I've had a pretty decent uh, 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 diverse a diverse bunch of things that have happened in my life, and I've enjoyed it. So I like sharing it, and I'm glad you guys like the movie. You know, uh, I don't think um, we got to the bottom of it yet. I think we need another session, another therapy session. You know, to absolutely, yeah. To, to find out, like, just how, how sick you really are. You know? <laughs>